Welcome to the Otherworld's GG Community Cast. This is episode number 47. I am Table for Two, and I'm joined by Mellifying Alien Pickle, and we're just going to talk shop today. Here's what we're going to do. You guys ready for this? How y'all doing? Doing great. Another... This is Mellified. It is, uh, gosh, just life, life is flying by. We're almost at the end of uh, January when we're recording this. Uh, in 2022... What happened to 2020? I'm still I'm still confused. I don't know. It's uh, it's, a, it's amazing that it's been two years since the start of all of this nonsense. Um, but we don't have to go down that road. But I'm just saying, like it's been it's been a wild uh, it's been a wild like year or two here um, for sure. But uh, yeah, so in our in our last news show, we we went in on the uh, Microsoft potentially acquiring the Activision Blizzard stuff. And uh, that's such an interesting, uh, that's such an interesting move, and it's an interesting flex that I, I don't think a lot of people were expecting. We knew that Microsoft was still on the on the lookout to make other uh, purchases, and I think one of the interesting statements that Phil Spencer made early on uh, with the Activision Blizzard stuff was that he said they were reevaluating their what was it their their uh partnerships with Activision Blizzard or their um how they work with them or something like that and then here we are like like 4 months later pow we're going to buy them that's what we're going to do to reevaluate our interaction with them we're going to we're going to purchase well, these guys and it was it's just a lot more than i had hoped for i was just hoping for at least a mercy killing <laughs> yeah or something yeah it's just like know. we're just going to like throw some money at them so we can shut them down and just put them out of their misery. Yeah. I, I think, I think that uh, Microsoft buying them is probably going to be the best thing for them in the long run. I think that um, a resurgence of old titles could be a good thing to, to breathe life into uh, the marketplace on some old IPs that have gone stale and just aren't being used uh, or maybe even being used to the best of their uh, ability. Um, I think um, seeing seeing more retro titles come out. I know that um, Blizzard and Microsoft and some other studios have done some work with GOG to um, um, put out old retro titles um, again, which I think is great. I'd like to I'd like to think that if they make this purchase official sometime next year, that they actually do that. That um, you know, we'll see more of that kind of stuff. The thing that I've always argued, and because I know Activision was a big part in Star Trek games of the past, is I'd like, and I know that they've recently done some, but I'd like to see more of the Star Trek titles. Like, where is Klingon Academy? Can anybody explain that to me? Um, and that might not even be on uh, Activision's plate, but I know that it's somewhere in that wheelhouse, um, you know, it's a, it's a thing. So. I, you know, bring bring out the Klingon Academy, if you will. That'd be that'd be a nice. Touch. Well, who knows? I mean, the licensing on anything like that's got to be insane. But Gog managed to figure it out for, you know, a dozen other titles. So you all right, think, here, right, here's the here's the fix. Lego Klingon Academy. <laughs> oh no! Oh god! Oh oh, oh yes! Ka oh yes! Kapla! <laughs> Yeah, Dude, I, mean... I would I would totally buy some Lego Star Trek things. Like they've done Star Wars, but they have not done Star Trek, and I think they could have a lot of fun with Star Trek. 
I think they, I, you know what, I, I'm going to agree with you there. And I, and it's interesting because uh, Jim, you and I have talked, I don't know whether on this show or not, but in, in, in chats in the past, like we've talked about like collectibles and stuff like that, like uh, micro machines did the action fleet for star Wars, for example. And yeah. there was like the, the miniature uh, Star Wars ship models and stuff like that. But Micro Machines also did stuff for Star Wars, Star Trek as well. Um, oh, there was yeah, a that's bunch true. Of, there was a bunch of... I owned, uh, I owned a bunch of those ships because I used to play Starfleet Battles tabletop back in the day. And that was the cheapest, best way to get ships for Starfleet battles. Like especially if you were playing Feds or Klingons. Which well, I they did. had they had the they had the mini ones. I actually have a mini like D seven Micro Machine model that's like about like you know yep. two inches long or whatever. But they yeah, they were did... exactly the scale. If you bought the miniatures, like instead of a ten dollar pewter thing. You well, yeah, but there were, those so, and they were uh, the same. So there was there was two different there was two different variations on what micro machines did. Micro machines did the miniatures that were like an inch to two inch long, but they also had like the other like playset ships too that were like maybe like six inches long or more. I never saw um, those for Star Trek though. I have some. I actually have some. Oh, I'll, oh. Um, maybe I'll bust out some pictures on our toys channel. We do have a toys and collectibles I, I, channel. I feel that you need to do that. Um, yes. Yeah, I'll bust. I'll get some pictures and I'll post those in our. So if you're interested, come on over to our Discord, discord.otherworlds.gg, and uh, I'll post some pictures of uh, the Star Trek ones that I have. But what's funny about the Star Trek ones is they were they were like you know back in the '90s they had like the play sets right. It was like toys play sets for kids was a huge thing like uh like these little miniature things that were like it was like a toy that would like open up to like be a play set for whatever so micro machines did that for um for some of the star wars stuff so like they did like stormtrooper helmets that would open up and it would be like whatever or there was like the darth vader head that would open up and it'd be the empire strikes back scene where like luke goes through the glass at the end of empire strikes back you know like there was stuff like that that micro machines did and there's, I even have like a giant Millennium Falcon. Uh, you guys, I'm, we're video chatting as we're doing the audio of this, but I'm going to pan over. So if you guys look at my video, there's a Millennium Falcon right there that actually opens up to a giant playset. Do you see that on my, yeah. my video here? And so right next to it, God, Jim, see the backwards camera thing? Mm-hmm. So right next to it, uh, that's, a, that's a Hoth playset that would open up right there. And then there's the Millennium Falcon right there. So... So I know we're supposed to be talking about video games, but um, I think, I think the, the point is, is like there is a lot that uh, Legos as a, an IP could be doing more in the gaming space um, to do that kind of stuff. I would totally play a Star Trek Lego thing. Like you're talking about, I'm really looking forward to this new, skywalker saga lego game it does look a little bit more compelling than other lego games i feel like there's uh, some different mechanics there's new fighting uh, mechanics um and so i'm really looking forward to seeing it definitely looks really nice it looks very polished um very modern and it's um um design and graphics yeah so yeah oh yeah i feel like lego when it when the Lego games were coming out for a long time, they felt like they had to be kid friendly, and so they kept them very, very, very simple. And that's why we don't have multiplayer. That's why they were only you know two player uh, co op local only um, was because it had to be kid friendly. And I feel like they've finally sort of realized like 
everybody loves these games so we can you know make them more than just a kid's game yeah and jim's actually posted um uh, a couple of pictures here of some of these micro machine things by the way I think I think that's another interesting thing that we don't see a lot of is um, I actually I'm actually taking a screenshot of this one here. I also have this shuttle Galileo in my collection somewhere. Um, actually, oh, yeah. I have one of those. So, um, but you know, I, I I do miss I do miss the uh, the toy tie-ins on stuff. You know, I you know everything's gone so digital that toys are kind of like not as much of a thing as they used to be like when we were younger. Um, because everything's like video game tie-ins, but I feel like if you're gonna do video game tie-ins, the 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 ideal thing is like a Lego thing. It just makes so much mm. sense. Um, yeah, I McFarland Toys still does some pretty cool uh, action figures. If if that's your your thing, well, and um, I and I I feel like action figures though have gone into the realm of collecting rather than being actual toys for kids. If that makes any sense. Yes, yes. and I'm kind of kind of uh stinky attitude about that i think that that's kind of not great right because kids can't get toys because the adults are haunting the toy aisle like the minute the crate opens because they have to get in there and like pick through the you know like i used to date a girl that ran the toy section in, in the walmart locally and it was like it was crazy she said like even the hot wheels collectors would come yep. in there and they knew like when did the truck show up and when are you going to unbox it and they were waiting because like in every crate there's going to be like one or two of that special car that they have so it's like if you're a kid like good luck you're never going to see this yeah yeah there there's there's a lot of that i mean i know like when like uh episode one came out for star wars there was a big craze about like all of these new Star Wars toys, and I've seen some of like the like it's almost like an episode of Hoarders, where you see these people that would go in and buy like you know five cop like five copies of like a Luke Skywalker action figure so that they can have one for their collection, one that they mm. open up, and then like three that they sell online at like jacked up prices, right? You know, because they have to have one that stays in the box, but they also want to be able to open it up and like like yeah. Well, and do like dioramas pose and pose it, it. And, yeah. yeah. So it's very, yeah. it's uh, very strange. But that, that's why I think like the Lego stuff is interesting because when you do the Lego games, you can actually then go to Lego's store and buy some of these things. So yeah. like you yeah. know, like you're 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 flying, you know, you're flying the Millennium Falcon in a Lego game. Well, guess what, kid? You can go to the store and actually buy the Millennium Falcon and like put it together and play with it. Yeah, if you got eight hundred dollars, <laughs> well, damn, that's that's Lego the stuff that's ain't cheap. That, no, that's the super collectible Millennium Falcon thing. They do have a like a, like a like a seventy dollar Lego set for Millennium Falcon. That's way more reasonable. But um, I do kind of miss that. I mean, I know we've kind of like switched topics here a little bit in in this chat, but I knew I, I just said we were going to shoot the breeze. You know, not really have a, a, a straight up talk, but I think I think the the realm of gaming and the digital space of doing tie in things that um are are fun with media, I I, I do I do think the that Lego has a has a good opportunity there to 
do more. And especially with the latest episode of um, the Book of Boba Fett. So by the time this comes out, the show will have been out for a few, or the episode will have been out for a few weeks. So I don't mind. But I'm going to do a little spoiler warning for anybody who's like crazy. Womp, 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 womp. Spoiler. Right. Spoiler. Right. So like yeah. in, in this latest episode, it's all about the Mandalorian and not Boba Fett, right? And the um, the Mandalorian gets a new ship, and his new ship is a modified version of the N1 Naboo Starfighter. And they go into mm-hmm. some lore about it, which is pretty cool. But what was interesting was is the memes on Twitter afterwards were like, you know, Lego executives looking at the new starship going, <laughs> you know, like, you know, they're going to make bank up. off of that, right? Like they're going to... lost Hunter completely. Um, did you guys lose me? Yeah, we lost oh. you for just... Oh, weird. Um, well, thankfully the recording's still going on this end. So, but I was making the joke about how like the the Lego executives seeing the new N one Naboo Starfighter, getting excited about now we're gonna be able to build this and sell it. You know, because they'll have a new Lego set that they can sell. Um, and that's a hundred percent true, right? Because there's gonna be the collectors that are gonna get it. The kids are gonna want to get their hands on it. Um. And that's become kind of like, and what's interesting about Lego is it's kind of become like the de facto model kit. You know, model kits used to be a thing. Um, you know, action figures and other toy things and play sets used to be a thing. And I feel like Lego has kind of taken both of those ideas and kind of combined it all into like one thing now. And I'm not, I'm not immune to this. Like I've got a Lego Boba Fett head on my shelf over here. I've got a the the collectible Lego Tie Fighter in my office at work, the one that's like you know a foot and a half tall, you know the really big guy. Um, I've got that sitting on my on my desk uh, at my office. Um, I have yeah, that's like the only one that they ever did the wings that were actually in proportion. And it was and the and they and they was, had to right? they had to spe- yeah and they had to specially engineer it too because of how heavy they were so that they wouldn't break off. So there's a whole YouTube video that you can go out there and find where Lego had to engineer how to build these wings without breaking the Lego set Um, uh, because it sits on a stand and those wings are heavy. And so they don't they don't bend in at all. They actually stay straight up and down um, uh, because of the way they had to engineer it. So um, I also have like an unopened baby Yoda uh, Lego set that my wife got for me for Christmas a couple years back. Um and so I've got like a Lego Star Destroyer somewhere. I've got like a Lego Moss Eisley Cantina somewhere. And those things aren't put together. Those are still in their boxes somewhere. I'll eventually get to them. But, um, you know, it's just. Yeah, it's I, a, have the, I have the $700 Star, Star Destroyer oh, the big, in the, the box big one. sitting here, the yeah, big one. Yeah. And I, my intent is to build it, right? But it's two feet long. Where the hell do I put that? Now, is that the Star Destroyer or the Super Star Destroyer? Not the Super Star Destroyer. The Star, just the Star Destroyer. Yeah. They did a, the, a big version of it. Yeah, the Super Star Destroyer is like four feet four long feet, or something four like and that. Four and a half feet? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah it was huge. Um, right. I know people who built a coffee table, like took an old uh, aquarium, put that in there, and then put like a piece of wood on top and made it a coffee table. Yeah, that's awesome. I would Which do that. Which is a great way to, to, to display it, yeah. But they put, like, LED lights around the the inside so you yeah. would light up and you could see it. It was very cool. Yeah. But I don't have space for it right now, so that's... I'm I'm planning on putting shelving in this room so I'll have some place to, like, display all that cool stuff. But not there yet. Um, <clears throat> I I mean, I really think LEGO games are 
a way to make these uh, franchises more accessible. It, like, especially the Lego Star Wars games, made a lot of fun of the Star Wars movies. I felt like like they kind of were very tongue in cheek and you know, had some kind of fourth wall breaking moments and things like that, where they just seemed to have fun with it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I'd be interested to see, you know, how it keeps going, but with, uh, with collectible stuff, I know like we tend to get a lot of the kind of, more interesting sets like we have the there's a lego ideas set that's a typewriter um that i have sitting in the box we did like the blacksmith the treehouse and kind of my new thing is um those a lot of those sets there are third-party led light kits that you can add to them that make like you actually integrate the lights into the build and it lights up different portions of it so uh, the Thanos, uh, you know, gauntlet from Marvel, you can get it where it lights up all of the, the Infinity Stones. Which just, you know, if you're going to have it sitting on a shelf, like that adds some visual to the whole thing. So I thought that was, that's been kind of neat. Did you see the uh, the meme? It had like the Infinity gauntlet and then it was like, th this is what corporate expected. And then they have like a, a yellow rubber dishes glove with like colored gummy bears glued onto it and it was like <laughs> this is the actual budget we got oh, oh no God. that's funny oh man it was funny yeah well so anyway i i do think the lighting kits are kind of a fun a fun way to jazz it up but i also have a ridiculously led uh computer so you know what do i know yeah, well, I mean, it, I'm all about RGB, and and I'm not trying to knock on like the collectors and stuff like that too. But I, I, for me, for me, I just don't, I don't collect just to have like the biggest collection or to collect all of a thing. Or you know, I know like growing up, there was this whole thing about like you know you can to have like a stamp collection, or you can have like a quarter collection, or you can have like a bug collection. You know, things that like our parents or grandparents probably did. It's an interesting it's an interesting concept. I collect because of like the sentimental value of a thing. And um so I I collect specifics, right? So like I have probably like six Super Nintendo games, but that's all I have. I don't plan on buying any other Super Nintendo games. Um, you know, cuz I don't feel like I need the whole like North American release of Super Nintendo. Like where one, where the hell am I going to put it? Two, if I have to move, that's a lot to move, you know? So it's like, you know, it, you know, I don't own my house currently. So it's like, Hey, you know, <laughs> at any point in time, I might have to like root up, but you know, I, I also appreciate like, you know, the little things. So I used to love, um, that's what I loved about some of the game collecting stuff was, is when collector's editions had, um, a lot of interesting stuff in them. I mean, even back in the big P big box, big box PC days, if I can say my words, you know, you'd get like manuals and posters and, um, all kinds of things. Um, even, even the game manuals had some kind of like a lore thing in them, not just telling you how to play the game, but there was usually information about what it is that you were playing. Right. So, you know, like I have the collector's editions of like the Starcraft two games. I have, um, Star Wars Galaxies, or I have Star Wars The Old Republic, I have the EVE Online second edition, or second decade collector's edition, you know, these kinds of things, I think, are are becoming less and less, and I kind of miss that, 
Um, I miss I miss uh, finding the collector's edition for a thing, uh, or doing like a reservation for it. Um, but even even recently, I was looking at uh, some game that was coming out where there was uh, there was a there was a PlayStation release, there was an Xbox release, and then there was going to be a PC release, but only. Only the consoles, only the Xbox and the PlayStation were getting big box physical collector's editions. And the PC version was getting a, like a like a digital collector's edition like thing. And you, they, they weren't releasing anything special for them. And I thought that was a little unfortunate because I was just like, well, what about, you know, if I want a collector's edition of this thing, I guess I got to have to go out and get the console version of it in order to have some cool collector's item for this thing that I would really like to have. And I think that's kind of silly. So Malified, I can't hear you. You're on mute, buddy. Um, it's interesting you bring up uh, game collector's editions because I feel like I have gone between two extremes with them. I used to try and get, you know, every collector's edition and I have some that are, considered extremely rare uh the original um not mass effect the original horror space game that ea did oh my god i'm blanking on the name dead effect no um i think i I know it'll come to me but yeah it would dead something um dead space Dead Space. Space. Yeah, Dead Space. Yeah, I have the original Dead Space collector's edition which is like goes for 1200 bucks last time i looked wow um because they're just super, super rare for whatever reason. Um, but I later in the last generation and, and earlier in this generation, I kind of stopped just because they were getting stupid. Like, really, really dumb. And most of the time, they were just throwing in a resin statue and jacking the price up $300, right? Um, now, some of the interesting ones I've picked up, I, I link in our Toys and Collectibles channel, um, I picked these up on clearance off Amazon, and if you're willing to roll the dice, I've found that that's actually the best way to get a lot of these, because, you know, you can kind of pick the one you want, but, like, the the Destroy All Humans Crypto 137 edition was originally $400. It includes a Cryptosporidium, the, the gray alien backpack, that it makes it look like he's he's, like, perched on your shoulders. It comes with a big statue. It comes with a bunch of other, you know, art book and, you know, little stress toy and keychain and all that crap. But the big the big sellers are the statue and the backpack. Uh, but it was $400, and I picked it up for, like, 90 on clearance. Now, that's still a lot of money, uh, especially because I already had the, bought the game digitally, so I don't care about the, the physical release. But, um, you know, it wasn't something I had to have, but... Right. So I, I didn't want to pay full price, but I thought that was a pretty well, and that's good interesting deal that, at 90. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because that's exactly what happened to me with uh, the Old Republic, the Star Wars MMO. Um, mm. I originally, I, I was part of the beta and I originally, um, you know, purchased, I, I was thinking about getting the collector's edition, but I, I just went ahead and got the original one. And then like years later, I decided, I was looking around and I saw an unopened one still sealed for like 80 bucks. And I picked it up, oh, wow. and it still had like an unused code that I was able to apply to my account because the game's still active. So I got all the like the collector's edition in-game items and stuff too. On top of that, I I also like 
you know, I'm not one of these people that likes to keep things like wrapped up. So I, I used to have the Malgus statue displayed at my, my, my old apartment, for example, um, that comes with the collector's edition. Uh, there's a couple other things that it comes with too, that are really, uh, neat, like a, an art book and, um, a MFA code keychain like device, um, mm -hmm. which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, and I, and I know like Blizzard notoriously for years used to put out some really good quality collector's edition uh, sets. You know, like oh, I've yeah. got all the StarCraft II ones. I have both of the Diablo three and the Diablo three expansion collector's edition. Um, mm -hmm. I would have loved to have gotten in on the ground level of getting all of the World of Warcraft ones because those had some really stellar stuff going on with those. Yeah. Um, now granted you can buy used ones, but in my mind, because it's an active game, buying anything that doesn't have the code in it to me, is just an incomplete set. So I just, I don't bother. I just, it, it's something sure. that I look at and I think to myself, I don't need it cause I'm not going to be able to get it. Um, right. But other things like the Eve online second Genesis one was really cool because it actually came with a Galente or not Galente, a, um, Minmatar Rifter, which is a frigate. But it was a USB hub, so on the back where the engines are, there's four USB ports where you can plug it in, and it becomes like a USB hub for your computer. So you have this like ship model sitting on your desk that's actually a USB hub, and I thought that was a, a really cool. Um, or you can just leave it sitting on your desk without you know using it as a practically speaking, it's a really cool ship model um, that you can leave sitting on your desk. But uh, I think collector's editions are a very rare thing, and or at least they're not as um, common or maybe in a lot of cases the quality. I mean, I mean, think, look at the snafu that happened with Fallout seventy six with the whole. Oh like, God! You know, here get get this really cool swink bag that's like not what we it was supposed to. What was it supposed to be? It was supposed to be. Um, it was supposed to be canvas. Canvas. So it was supposed to be like fabric, and they and gave was like, like a like a nylon. Not yeah. And it was like what <laughs> you know. So like the snafu yeah. with that was kind of a big deal. Um. You know, and I've talked to two because like Jim and I play uh, Guild Wars Two from time to time. But like, I've got the Guild Wars Two collector's box set, um, which has a big mm. uh, action figure model in it. I still have uh, from Bioshock, the original Bioshock. I have over here, and I'm gonna try and see if I can't pan this camera again for you guys watching. But I've got the Big Daddy sitting there on the shelf right in front of me. Oh, nice. Five. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, and I've got a I've got a pretty decent big box. You know, it's it's quaint, but this is like my PC collection over here. It's like mm -hmm. two or three shelves, and um, well, and and it's funny because I I feel like the publishers have either gone so big that it's just ridiculous, right? They're doing four hundred these four hundred dollar collectors editions, or they don't do anything, and or or if they do, it's garbage, right? Um, I have one of the early Call of Duty collectors editions that has an RC car in it. Wow. The collector's edition was a full working RC car because in the game you had one that you drove around and blew people up with. Right. I have another Call of Duty collector's one, the early one, that had n working night vision goggles. I remember this. Yes. I remember this one, yes. Now, to be fair, what it actually is, is it's an infrared flashlight and then like an infrared camera. So if if you were to use it in a real military situation, somebody would see you your giant you know infrared uh uh flashlight in their night vision and they just shoot you in the face but uh, right. it's still cool right right so like those were really neat to me because it was such a unique 
uh, uh, take on it. And like Gears of War, I have the Lancer replica, the full size rifle uh, with a chainsaw uh, on the front of it. Um, yep. So like those were the ones that blew me away because they were so cool. And the only ones that I see now that kind of come to that level other than you know the, a few odd odd ones here and there are the limited run game stuff and so but, like you no know, the interesting thing about limited run games let's talk about that for a second yeah yeah I, limited run games is an interesting like organization because mm -hmm. they're not the actual company that they're doing the games for they're a third-party company that are doing these things and right. and and part of and while the stuff that they put out I think is actually really cool and I was looking at their um their uh oh god what's the name of that game um Chex Quest they actually were putting mm, out mm -hmm. a Chex Quest of all things originally free in a cereal box they're doing a collector's edition like big box release over on limited run games and I know that they're getting the license and they're and they're releasing it with the approval of all this other stuff but part of me still feels like it's un it's like it's an inauthentic it's like somebody else's idea of a collector's edition for somebody else um if that makes any sense like that's like it's hard it for, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around the um the the originality of the thing if that makes any sense so okay but but so go go do me a favor go into our toys and collectibles channel and go scroll up to the November 19th Mega Bundle link that I posted. Um, it's at the bottom of the limited run Star Wars games. Mm -hmm. And then click through the PC. If you click on in the description, there's Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic Master Edition for PC. Um, if you open up the art for that, right, it, it'll show you everything that's included. Mm -hmm. So you are getting the actual game on cd no drm no patch required right it's the original game on a disc uh which is so rare these days on its own um you get a replica pazak set the card game uh a vibroblade letter opener uh a darth revan miniature hilt replica set um, the strategy guide with a premium foil hardcover. You get, you know, a commemorative light side, dark side coin. You get a USB drive that looks like the security spike. You get a little pin of the ship. Um, some art, you know, the nice box, the concept art cards, the little lithographs. But like, okay, you're never going to get all of that stuff elsewhere, especially for a game like Knights of the Old Republic that's, you know, several years old. But it, as far as I know, the original game didn't ever come out with a collector's edition. So, like, I hear what you're saying that limited run is is sort of this third party, but it's it is licensed and it is approved. It's not like it's um, unauthorized, but it's also some really cool stuff. At least on some of the sets, some of them are just a fancy box, and the game you know is is in the box, which is cool. But like, the, I don't care about owning the physical. Uh, game as much but i like the little you know tchotchkes and stuff just because they're cool and they remind me of the game and that's what i get excited about i guess sure and and that's and that and all that's fair and don't get me wrong like i'm not i'm not trying to like i've looked through some of this stuff myself and gone man that's actually really cool um but it it it, it feels like um 
It feels like collecting for the sake of collecting, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, but again, um, I, I love the Star Wars PC games, right? So I I had the opportunity to get a full set of the classic Star Wars PC game limited run game boxes. And most of the normal ones are, you know, I would say basically just a box. There's a couple art cards and there's maybe one little tchotchke in there, but it's basically just the game in a nice box, right? So for me, that's fine. You know, I that doesn't bother me. Um because I'm going to put that up on my shelf as a display item. I'm not as concerned with it, but it means something to me, right? Because sure. I, I look That's at fair. that. That's fair. I look at Jedi Knight's Dark Forces 2 box on my shelf, and I'm like, oh, man, I remember playing that game. And, oh, you know. Um, yeah, see, I'm me, coming, I'm coming uh, from the opposite side where mm. I don't even have physical media. Like, all my DVDs of games and stuff I've given to people. And it's just like, I'm just digital only at this point. And whenever I look at collectible stuff, it's like, that's pretty cool. But then I'd have to put it somewhere. Yeah. So. I mean, that's definitely, you have to display it. Um, I have a space that I am working towards making display, but like, you know, I have this uh, helmet, which is from Mass Effect, right? This is the N7 helmet that your your character wears in the in the games. And it's fully wearable. It has lights in it. It does all kinds of cool stuff. And like, I mean, this is this is totally useless, right? I'm not. I can't do anything with this. It's not like a motorcycle See, I'd, helmet I can I'd, wear. I'd, but... I'd be concerned because I have a big old noggin, and most hats <laughs> don't even fit me. So ah, I... well. But like, I'm gonna put this up on the shelf on you know as a display item. I'm not, and and you know I have room to do that, or I will have room to do that. So that makes sense to me, but well, and I, I, um, I like again. Sometimes collecting for the sake of collecting is kind of weird to me, but I also get it too at the same time because I've got you know I've got on display a whole bunch of Star Wars ship models that I've, but I've mm -hmm. also had them for a long time and played with them as a kid. But now I just have them out because I think they're cool just to display because I'm not going to sure. the floor like a child and play with them because I'm not a child anymore. Well, uh, but like I know. have, you know, but, I, I have the the Mass Effect helmet, I have the Doom helmet, and I have uh the Mandalorian uh bo or the Boba Fett helmet. And like to me those are all significant because I like those characters or I right. like that game or I like that world. But so. you're not going to go out and collect all helmets, right? Like you're not going to get no, everything from Star no. And that's and that's the what I'm getting at. I'm I'm in that yeah. camp. That's the camp that I get in. I get I get only very specific things. And gotcha. sometimes the limited run stuff is like they're they're really cool, but man, like when I'm looking at this Knights of the Old Republic thing, first of all, I didn't know they were doing this one, so I need to make an account and get on their newsletter. But two, <laughs> um, you know, some of the stuff in here is actually kind of swank, like the Ebon Hawk metal pin, the security mm -hmm. spike USB drive that's fully functional is is pretty slick looking. Um, I really liked the Pazak set, right? Because that was a game that, was, that you play. That was going to be my third thing is, is I would really yeah. like to get my hands on an actual like Pazak set. Because like one of the things that came inside the EVE Online, the second decade, was an original board game that CCP made before they made EVE. So it was like this rare mm. board game that you really can't get anywhere else that they mm -hmm. released with their this collector's edition. And so it's things like that that I find interesting. Like, I would love to get my hands on, like, a 3D chess set from Star Trek, you know, because I think that's mm. fascinating to me, and I would love to have that. One, it's a conversation piece because it's just, like, cool. Um, but, you know, we don't, you know, 
I have enough. I have enough stuff on my own that we could decorate the rest of this house. Like, <laughs> you know. But yes, you know. yes. Well, and I, I, but I'm like Jim in that I've gotten rid of most of my physical media, but I like the collector's editions, and some of them I actually regret. Like, I think they were very poorly done. There was one for the um, early remake of Wolfenstein, and. I remember it so clearly because all it, all the collector's edition ended up really having was a resin dog, uh, like a resin model of the dog, the armored dog from the game, which was not all that interesting. But it was one of the collector's editions that did something that made a ton of sense to me that I haven't seen anyone else do, which is the game was not included in the collector's edition. That is weird. There was, there was no. one. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the reason I don't think it is weird is because, like, I bought uh, the Battlefield 1 Collector's Edition way, way after it had been, the game had been out, because it was up on Woot. And they went in and opened them and pulled the games out and sold the game separately, because they could still get, you know, 10, 20 bucks for the game, but nobody wanted this giant box with a statue and stuff in it. So... Um, they split up the bundle, but a lot of times what I see, especially like the ones that I was talking about earlier, Biomutant and uh, uh, Destroy All Humans, it was a specific platform that didn't sell as well as they expected. So that's why it was on clearance. The Xbox version was on clearance, but not the PS4. Or the Switch version didn't sell well, so they've got a bunch of extra of those, so they discount them to get rid of them. If you don't include the game, then you don't have that problem of having to guess how many uh, collector's editions you need to make for each platform. And the the other time that I've seen it this done was actually Mass Effect Legendary Edition, the collector's edition, which is where that helmet I showed earlier came from. Uh, that one was also no game included. It was just you buy the collector's edition from the website uh, of the of the studio. Like you had to go to Bioware's website and buy it. They didn't sell it in stores and you didn't get the game, but I was okay with that. Cause I already bought the game digitally. I don't want the physical game. I want, well, I feel like, stuff. I feel so like, what, so I feel what like about what is a... done for this other game that I was talking about? I forget the name of it, but there was one that was coming out on all the platforms and there was just not one for the PC, which I thought was weird. So anyway, so I've seen where the, people making toys right like hasbro did a thing where they were like hey we can make this giant transformer of uh ultra whatever the planet guy right and and it was like we're gonna make this thing but only if we get enough pre-orders to actually make it worth mm. doing mm -hmm. so so it was like people ordered this thing like a year in advance and then I saw, like, the the reason that I even learned it existed is I saw a video, like, a guy unboxing the thing and putting it together. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that thing was pretty damn impressive. Like, I've never seen a toy that was that in intricate, but it was, like, a $400 transformer, right? So, but it's a thing of, like, well, what about, like, uh, whenever they make these uh, collectibles for games and stuff? Like, it doesn't necessarily have to even be promotional for the game at the time, you know? It's like, they could do it ahead of time for, like, funding of the thing, or they could do it after the fact. Like, whoever owns the rights to Ratchet and Clank, it's like, hey, do you want a Ratchet and Clank statue? Like, 
everybody that wants one, if there's going to be a demand for it, like order them now. And if we get enough, we're going to make it. If not, it doesn't happen. And that way they don't end up making a bunch of stuff and then having to offload it at a discount. Well, that's what I felt bad about the original Titanfall, right? Because I was debating on whether or not to get the collector's edition for the original Titanfall. And then I decided against it and I got the game and I was so disappointed in the game, uh, the first one. Because there was there was zero campaign. Their campaign stuff was all multiplayer like uh, stuff anyway, and it was just like these mission rounds over and over. And a, a lot of people were kind of disappointed with the original Titanfall. But it came with yeah. the collector's edition had this huge like statue thing in it that's really badass. Now Titanfall Two is really awesome. So it's almost like maybe if I just go back and get this Titanfall One thing, it'll justify it because I like Titanfall Two so much. But <laughs> yeah, so they um, so they did like the statue. It was like a big resin statue of one of the Titans, but the one that they sent to the press was like three times the size of that. I saw one because uh, Escapist oh, Magazine wow. had their offices here in town, and I dropped in there to visit them one day. And they had the Titanfall, like, full-size thing, and it was, like, waist-high sitting on the floor. It was huge, <laughs> right? Wow. And it was, like, the same statue, but, like, triple the size. Hmm. Um, but where the hell would you put that as a as an, a real person, right? So I could see it. Like, whenever you walk in their door, <laughs> well, it was, like, there prominently. Mellified Mel- you know? told us once, I, and he might have talked about it on the show, but it might have been behind closed doors, but talking about working for Blizzard... And how you could uh, get, they had like a life-size statue of one of like the night elves or something like that. Yeah, the night elf huntress. Yeah, and like you could actually buy it like as an employee mm-hmm. or whatever it was. It was it I, was a mannequin, like a full mannequin, full size. She was 5'2". And we had, them in, we had them in a couple of them around the campus, but you could have bought them as an employee for like $400, which actually is pretty cheap. Yeah, uh, I'm, I, and I think to myself, it's like, I mean, I think about people who have collections where they have like full size, like Darth Vader's or full size, mm. like, like sets. And I, it's funny because I think back to the days of Star Wars Galaxies where you could like customize your home and people would display armor sets throughout their home or they'd have like NPCs wearing armor sets um, as like vendors, like in their vendor shop or something like that it was like these collector's things i i played the uh the legends server the other day and i went to this guy's shop and he had he had customized outfits for like cosplaying in star wars galaxies as like marvel superheroes based on like the color and like the palette of a thing you could be like uh the green lantern or you could be like um he did some kind of like Batman get up looking thing that was kind of goofy, but it was like, it was like this idea of being able to customize and mix and mix and match the clothing based on color and stuff like that. Uh, in that game as like collecting things in the game for out of the game stuff. Like it was, it was interesting. People get really weird about collecting. Um, yes. And about loot, you know, the idea, the idea about loot and stuff like that. So, so, Two things. Um, the first is the uh, Jim was talking earlier about the crazy transformer. Uh, this is the other super duper crazy transformer here. Uh, the fully robotic, automatically transforming Optimus Prime that they did. Uh, Rob Robosen is the the Japanese company that that actually makes it for Hasbro. Um, 
and it i mean it's just cool because it's an actual robot um it's super finicky and kind of a pain in the ass to actually display because it doesn't yeah it but doesn't, it's like you hit uh, a button and it's like whop 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 and it turns yeah. into a robot right yep. and it's like okay well that's what it does so yeah but that's kind of it, its only purpose, right? It can dance and do some other silly stuff, but yeah, it's it's but it's cool because it actually transforms itself. But so <laughs> with if you look in Toys and Collectibles, I just posted a link to something. Um, after World of Warcraft um, launched, uh, it was you know a crazy time at Blizzard. It was a crazy amount of uh, work and uh, long hours and everything else. And I wanted something to commemorate that because it was such a, a big part of my life for many, many years. And so I got in touch with a gentleman by the name of uh, Richard Nagy, who uh, is known as Datamancer. And he was known for making custom uh, props, steampunk style. And if you remember the sci-fi show Warehouse 13, I do. Um, yes. He did all of yeah. the he did all of the props for that. So like all oh, the, wow. the retro future technology stuff. Um, and he was based in LA in Southern California. So I got in touch with him and and commissioned a custom keyboard. Um, and I have a link to the video of the lid that's actually in my office where is where that video is taken. Um, when I was at Blizzard, so you can see my sword in the background and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it, that was something really special to me that I wanted specifically to commemorate the event. And what you can't see in this video, because it was just showing off the gears on the back side of that, that's the top of the keyboard, the inside of the top. So if you close up the keyboard on the top of it is a stained glass with blue and red, uh, elements to it. That's supposed to represent the horde and the alliance, uh, so it was, it was, and I still have it. I mean, it's uh, something I'll never part with. But the crazy thing is, I don't even know how much that thing would be worth today because unfortunately, Richard died in a car accident shortly after he made this. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah, yeah. There's someone, he, he, he had an apprentice that took over the business that still, you know, does this stuff. But, um, you know, the original guy, unfortunately, has passed away now. He was he was quite an interesting character. He actually uh, was really into body mods. So he surgically implanted say, magnets. Say that again. He was into body mods, right? Yeah, body modding. Okay. So he surgically implanted magnets into his fingertips. So he could feel electric currents and wires. Because he could feel the pull of the magnet as it was, you know, traveling, getting, uh, picking up the electricity, like just wacky, wacky stuff. Right. So it's a very, very interesting guy, but, um, really, really sad story. But like, this is one of, you know, 50 that he built himself, you know? So like, I don't even know what that's worth, mm. um, to the right person and probably quite a bit, but it's the same way with a lot of the Blizzard stuff. Like we had employee, if they did a statue for the public, you know, Blizzard did some of the really expensive $400 resin statues uh, that they would sell through collectible shops. They would do a run of those and they would do a thousand, right? Or, or 10,000 or however many, and they would all be numbered. But then they would do a separate run 
with separate numbering that were the employee edition. And as an employee, you, you would you were able to buy one of those. So we would have, you know, one of 500 or one of 400 uh, of these limited, super limited edition statues, which I, you know, again, sort of to the right collector would be worth quite a bit. Yeah. No, so kidding. there is that, that crazy high end market for these collectibles that, um, I, that's the part I don't understand is like somebody buying, you know, we've seen stories uh, on the show before about people buying like a Super Nint a Super Mario uh, cartridge for the SNES or, or what was it Mario 64? They found one unopened in in, a dis in the back of a display case or something, and they were going to sell it for like thousands and thousands of dollars. And somebody paid $100,000 for one of the Mario carts, I remember. Like that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't love anything that much. I barely love my family that much to pay that for a house. Like, <laughs> right. come well, on. Well, and, and that's the funny thing. When the ransom note comes in for the kids, <laughs> like, uh, all right, well, hey, can you, can you kind of come down to a realistic level on this? Cause you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so that's interesting that you mentioned that because like for me, the only time I look for an unopened thing is if, if I'm trying to find something that is still prevalent. So for example, like the SWOTOR thing, I bought that mm -hmm. because it was unopened and still had the key intact. And I was like, Oh, that's still a yeah. usable thing to me. Um, but then I also within the last like six months bought a star Wars galaxies collector's edition that had everything in it. But again, that mm -hmm. game doesn't exist anymore. So if the keys used right. or not, it doesn't matter to me. Um, right. And so those kinds of things are important, but like, if, if like, you know, if there's collector's editions of things out there that d don't have any value or don't, excuse me, don't have any existence, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll consider buying them at no, you know, if, especially if it's in good condition, some of like the more rare stuff, but, um, I'm trying yeah, to think that, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. I'm just waiting until captain crunch has like free NFT in every box. Oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> Well, that's okay. So this is where this is going, right? Is is NFTs are an attempt to create, you know, uniqueness out of things that are sort of commonplace or commodities. No, it's actually um, thin air. Like I just made up a serial number and I'll sell it to you because the thing that the NFT serial is attached to is not actually owned by you. That's that's right. the weirdness, right? So, like, I could I could say here's an NFT represented by a picture of your shoe. That doesn't mean I own your shoe. So yeah, it's weird. But you did give me a hell of an idea though for like a YouTube channel and and such, right? So like you could take any kind of thrift store find of an oddity. Like here's a weird salt shaker that's that looks like a retarded elephant or something, right? And then you make up some kind of SCP story about how it's actually a cursed object, and <laughs> you know, and then you sell that thing, well, like with it with some sort of statement of authenticity, you know, that it's actually like mm. a, a cursed object, whatever, and uh, then sell it for hundreds of dollars to collectors. There you, you just go. just like regurgitate like thrift store junk by <laughs> by spinning a story and just attaching like a parchment with this story yeah to it. absolutely it'd be like it'd be like a birth certificate for a cabbage patch kid <laughs> but here's um, like the ghost certificate for the haunted lamp oh my <laughs> god hey, i mean funny. you're absolutely right it could totally work 
Um, and then you start like a traveling uh, museum of haunted objects and then just drive in your van from town to town selling them. I, my wife and I are huge fans of the movie Groundhog Day. And Groundhog Day, of course, is coming up. Uh, it'll probably be after this show airs. But um, we watched it again last night, in fact. And uh, that's funny. We almost we almost watched it last night ourselves. That's oh, funny. did you? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, but yeah, so so like, what? Where was I going with this? Um, talking about like the haunted objects reminded me of the clock that it, that he wakes up to every morning. There is a project online where you can get like an Arduino. And have it play the audio from the movie when he wakes up as the alarm on the clock. Mm -hmm. But you have to find one of those clocks to modify to do this. And they are impossible to find. Like, I was thinking it's a friggin' 30-year-old clock. Like, I mean, it's not going to be common, but they should be available. They Because it's so popular, they're completely sold out. And if you can find them, they're like 300 bucks. Wow. And yeah, the, so, the 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 uh the market the the way markets work, you know, because it's because it's desired by somebody, there's going to be a price to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's an interesting thing. Like I, yeah, I um, I also I did the I did the Kickstarter for the Cyan, who is famously known for Mist. Um, they did a Kickstarter campaign for. Um, releasing all of their game because I guess they finally got all of the rights things in order because for like a little while there, uh, like they were developing some of their games and I think, um, I think maybe Aspire or somebody uh, somebody else got involved at one point. But they they were still working yeah. on them, but it was like another company was involved, and so they did this whole Kickstarter thing to release all of their games and they were working on a digital project to release all the games digitally and. But this Kickstarter, they had different tiers, and I was considering going for one of the even higher ones. But uh, the tier that I got on gave us a replica of the actual Mist book that you can open up, and it's mm. got like a little LCD screen in it that plays like the intro to the Mist game or whatever. And it's got little drawers in it that actually have the physical games on DVDs and sleeves in it. Mm -hmm. um, it's got some other hidden drawers in there too, where you could like put other things in there. But you can even load up a different. They they give you instructions where you can load up the. There's they have different videos for the different games that you can uh, apply. But you can put your own video on there. So like you can like like put it in there and do like um like a wedding video or something like that. Like or you could do some kind of other sentimental like thing that plays anytime you open up the book on the little screen there. Um, or you can be dirty and do something different with it. But you know. <laughs> You know, yeah surprise you know but um so so I, I like that is so cool to me but it just i don't know like i want to collect stuff that like we were talking about that has meaning to me and i don't care if other people are excited about it as much like if it if it's special to me um so like i love control like custom controllers right the all the yeah, crazy i can get behind that yeah. You know, so I, I have like a little display up in my window of some of the Xbox uh controller, custom controllers that they've done. Um I have the Sea of Thief Thieves one, which is one of my favorites because it's the right trigger is gold plated, like not real gold, but like gold colored. Cause it's supposed to be the gold tooth in the pirate's mouth. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so it's just like clever little thing, right? I really so, want I really want one of those Hyperkin Duke controllers is what I really want. 
Uh, well, yeah, the one uh, that lights up and plays the Xbox startup yes. thing. In the... I I have the the original one, and I have a set of the Halo anniversary ones coming. Because the Halo anniversary ones come in, I think it's uh black, white, and a Cortana purple or something. Even though she's blue in the game. Well, she was um, purple in the original Halo. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So it's it's um. I have those, but those, they don't play the original Xbox boot-up animation. They actually play a Halo animation. So I'm excited to get those for sure. That's um, But the the other thing that gets crazy, you started talking about Kickstarters. And, like, one of my favorite things that they've started doing is physical releases. I talked about Pazak, right, from Coder. And how that was one of my favorite things in that limited run games collection was the actual cards to play Pazak. There are a lot of Kickstarters now that are doing that kind of thing with the virtual games in real life. So uh, Orlog is the Viking game that you can play in uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And I just got my Kickstarter version of that. And one of the upgrades that you could do, like you could buy the basic set and it was very inexpensive. It was just cardboard tokens and stuff, but you could upgrade to real metal tokens and real wood uh, deities. Cause you get a deity that's like your special power. And so you could upgrade it and then you could upgrade it to like a leather fancy leather case with like leather dice cups and all this kind of stuff. So like, it's just neat. Like that those things are, are even possible because to me, it's so crazy to see the physical version of something that was only imagined digitally. Yeah, no, um, I, I do, I do like that. That is some cool stuff, and and I agree with you. I mean, there's, I mean, we've we've said it a few times at this point, but I mean, there's certain things that we're gonna collect that you know other people might think are silly, but they 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 mean something to us, and that's why, like, I was talking about like you know with the mist thing. I thought it was just so cool that there's an actual like functioning video player and then you know the hyperkin did something similar with the duke controller where it's like it plays the thing that's pretty cool though that's really slick mollified he's uh yeah i mean wonder, he just showed us uh a, in the video I'll, uh, I'll put up put a link to the kickstarter in in our uh toys channel but um yeah i mean like that stuff's neat to me um the D D uh wizards of the coast did something completely over the top um I don't even know how to <laughs> how to explain this. They for the 45th anniversary of D&D, they did a set of dice that are metal. Uh it includes 2d20s, 1d12, 2d10s, 1d8, 4d6s and 1d4 dice. And they actually uh in inlaid a sapphire in place of the 20 on the D20s. And they look gorgeous. I mean, they're just beautiful. They come in a nice little case. Um, but like that was, I want to say it was a $200-$300 set just for dice. Like that is, you know, crazy what if, expensive. What if you get it and it just rolls ones and you're like, God <laughs> damn it. Yeah, what if they didn't weight them properly? I was yeah, thinking throw about it out that. the back door. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean that's that's like stuff that I just don't even know, you know, what what do you 
where do you even display that? Like, you can't take that to to D and D night at your buddy's house. I don't feel like maybe maybe some people do. I don't know. Well, I mean, but, but... I think I think if you're going to like your buddy's place, but you're not going to go to a tournament with that because then they're going to go buy. But like, <laughs> um, you know, like I, I want to build a custom. I, I've always wanted to build a custom like board gaming table that has a like um like a, a sunken in felt section, almost like a pool table, but like a section where like you can roll dice and they're not going to roll off the table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's something that I would like to do. And I think in places like that, you know, that's where you can have that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah. 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 So you, got, you got me looking at these flip clocks now. Thanks. <laughs> and, <laughs> Sorry, and, Jim. Sorry. Okay. So first off, it's a Panasonic RC6025. Yep. Is and the one secondly, there is a forum called flipclockfans.com for restoring and collecting old flip clocks like i guess that explains a lot of what we've been talking about is <laughs> if you have a flip clock specific collector forum mm -hmm. there anything is possible uh yeah i i mean i guess i you know it, there, there's there's a place for everyone um What's crazy is as much demand as there is for such things, and I see a, a crazy variety of retro clocks on Amazon, nobody is doing like a reproduction of the one true clock that everybody would want. So that's a thing. Which which one true clock are you talking about? The the Panasonic. Oh, like oh. The, the one that sells yeah. for three to four hundred dollars a pop, like if you can find one anywhere. Like I saw them on, on like eBay and stuff for three four hundred dollars and i'm like oh but right you know like you could just for somebody that just wants a replica of like they could actually make a re but what are the odds that some movie prop just becomes like a hot item like what 30 years later yeah yeah so like if you could predict it like maybe you put something in a movie and then you buy up a big stock of whatever it is and then you know create the artificial scarcity and then just be like oh by the way collectible <laughs> yeah absolutely um so i have one more one more fun one to share um somebody did a kickstarter for witcher dice that are are really cool because they've got different witcher uh symbols and stuff on them the main attraction to them seems to be that they're metal with wood inlays um that and you can get them easy. Yeah, well then you can get them in different colors and stuff. So they they had um a lot of different varieties of them. So those were kind of neat. But probably my favorite one is the element dice. So these are six-sided dice that are pure samples of each of the elements on the periodic table. Now, they're just finishing up their fourth Kickstarter, and the fifth one is going to kick off in a couple weeks. And the idea is that they are slowly working their way through the periodic table. So every six months, they do another Kickstarter for the next, like, five dice, and you buy them. And the idea is, you know, eventually they'll get to the ones that you can actually uh, make. But they have a wall uh, wall mount that has like slots 
with the period it's got the periodic table on it it's got slots for all the different elements but these are like intended to be 100 percent pure uh samples or at least like in the case of the gold ones where it would be super expensive they do plated i um, i, I want to talk to you about the plutonium ones but go ahead <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that that's where I say, like, I don't know what they're going to do. At some point, I think they're going to kind of run out of uh, run out of of ones that they can legally get away with. But, um, you know, and they're doing even the uh, noble gases. They have them as clear plastic with like, you know, screen printing on them. So so what about the element 115 dice like the, the Lazar D20? They don't have to <laughs> ship anything because it doesn't exist. Yeah. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, just you know, and they're like fifteen bucks each, give or take. Um, the solid silver one's one hundred and twenty dollars because that's actually you know, yeah, just rare the metal, display but... to put them in is seventy bucks, seventy nine bucks. Yes, yes. Well, it's here. not cheap, no, no question. But um, and they do have different stands and stuff. Like you can get smaller stands if you just wanted uh uh you know a certain set. Huh. But um, we could have like know. pirate dice made from real teeth. Yeah. It's like, Yikes. here's my donkey teeth dice set. Um, I saw that... I saw a video of a chick today. Uh, yeah, it was for unrelated things. It was actually like a hair product thing that I don't even remember how the hell. Wife and I having a discussion, right, and then ended up looking at this thing. But then she's like an alternative chick. Right, she's got the goth thing going. She's okay. really hot. Okay, and then she was talking about like you know how she's into like alternative whatever, and then she holds her necklace up, and it was like, what the hell is that? She's like, yeah, and my necklace is like got real donkey teeth on it. <laughs> donkey <laughs> like, teeth? Donkey teeth? Yeah, it's more ghastly than you could imagine because it was like it's horse teeth. Like I've never seen horse teeth out of context before, and I really don't need to see them again. But sure. Donkey teeth necklace, man. Chicks are into it, I guess. Well, uh, this has been a very interesting episode of uh, of this. Um, did you say? You oh my god! Them? If you if you Google donkey tooth necklace, wow, there it is. Crazy. That's well, apparently a thing. Well, I, I think Mellified might have lost uh, both of us or one of us or something. No, like I, that, I but... got back. Uh... Yeah, weird, I had a little glitch there. Weird, weird uh, technical stuff with. I think Discord's had some issues because, like, the other night, like, I was dropping in and out while playing with uh, mm. uh, Sea of Thieves. But, um, yeah, the, interesting episode we've had talking about collectibles and things in the gaming sphere. Um, I'm really excited about the future. I think we should actually have some more discussions on some like collectibles and stuff like that. I know we've got a channel on our Discord, but I got some pictures of some things I got to show. So stop on by our Discord and show off some of your collections at discord.otherworlds.gg. Uh, we've got a Minecraft server and an Unreal Tournament server, so come on by and play some games with us. We are always up for playing something. Uh, I've been playing a little bit more Sea of Thieves because I got some big content coming out this year, so I'm trying to ramp up my Pirate Legend stuff. So, but, uh, yeah. Oh, also, uh, unrelated endorsement, go check out the game Hero Siege. Um, we're, you know, we're not being paid by them at all, but... Um, Jim and I were playing that the other night, and it's actually a pretty good, pretty good game. I was really enjoying it. So, it is currently on sale until February third. I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but uh, check it out anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah all, absolutely. All right. Well, this has been episode what forty-seven. See y'all next time.
Yeehaw.